2: Welcome to a special edition of the 9 9 podcast where we're going to be looking at the issue of Irish nightlife and the issues facing it at the moment in terms of Irish clubs, promoters, goers, DJs. And the people behind the scenes, we're going to be talking to some people involved in Irish nightlife and those who are vocal about bringing in changes to protect, sustain and support late nightlife in Irish cities and towns around the country. There has been increased support and discussion around the value of the nightlife economy in recent years, buoyed by changes in cities like Amsterdam, London, Manchester, and Paris, where nightmares have been installed to liaise between venue operators, promoters, and those in councils and politicians who have no direct experience of such matters and who rarely engage with the city after dark. A nightmare can be a glue between these two worlds. It's a concept that has been opened up and discussed much more frequently in the context of the value of nightlife. Earlier this year, the Give Us the Night campaign reignited to put this issue back into the minds of government, city councillors and our representatives. A newly published mandate from Give Us the Night, accompanied by meetings around major Irish cities like Galway, Limerick, Cork and Dublin, has made some suggestions for what could be done to improve uh, nightlife licensing, opportunities and the economy at large. The key points in the mandate include establishing a nighttime advisory board and a night mayor or nighttime economy advisor, whatever you want to call it, to represent the issues of the nighttime economy, the abolition of special exemption orders, SEOs, for every night that a club opens until 230 AM, they must pay 410 euro in court plus solicitor's fees before the doors even open. That's each night. This places financial restrictions on each late night venue and applies to every space, big or small. As an example, a late night venue in Ireland that would choose to open six days a week, late, would pay approximately 128000 per year, plus legal fees for each monthly court application on SEOs. This is in addition to rates, rent, insurance, running costs, wages, etc. Uh, Meanwhile, by contrast, a venue in the UK will pay about £2,000 per year in late licence fees, with more hours of trading each night possible. Another thing that the Give Us The Night campaign is looking at is to the closing times of venues and late night spaces to stop the one time fits all approach where every place shuts up at 2.30am at the same time causing people to spill out on the streets en masse which contributes to transport bottlenecks and anti-social behaviour. Members of the Guardi and organizations like My Taxi have been favourable in this regard and support this measure. In addition, Give us a night are proposing that some allowances for later licenses past 3 a.m. were appropriate and with consultation with politicians and governments and licensing bodies and residents could be looked at as a way forward, like in other European cities. At the backbone of give us the night is the idea that the nightlife economy is important to us and the well-being of the Irish people. To disallow our citizens to party late into the night if they so desire is a 20th century idea and we need 21st century solutions. Before we talk to the respected techno DJ and Give Us The Night uh, campaigner, Sonny Sharp, the first person I talked to about this was Aoife Nakana, a long-spinning Irish DJ who has seen venues come and go and had been playing for years. Aoife tells me about her experiences and ideas around Irish
3: nightlife. Um, I think the fact that we do close so early does restrict us a lot. Um, so I don't think every place wants to or needs to be open, but it would be nice to have a few places that would open a bit later. Even even if one venue stayed open till four, uh, maybe two or three venues stayed open till four, and then maybe one stayed open till six or seven or eight. I think would really suit um, our nightlife. You know, just to make it stronger, I suppose um because it is it 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 is like a bit of a joke or an issue for the last i don't know all our lives really and that kind of nightlife culture has grown up but the licensing laws haven't comparison to other countries
2: i think that's the thing because we're now seeing all that stuff happen uh, internationally as well you're really feeling like um it's so within our grasp in terms of people who go who go dancing and go to clubs and can, and even late night venues as well. We'll see that happening elsewhere, and then you come home here and you don't get the same buzz. So, um, has have you found like the way that we our licensing laws operate uh, affect the creativity? Do you think
3: you do notice if you do go abroad? There's kind of a peak. You know maybe two, two, three, four, and then it does kind of wind down in these clubs they do take it down, whereas we're just leaving in the in the middle of the peak when we're not ready to leave. you know, like I think people it would be nice if we could just organically leave, which a lot of us are kind of a bit um uh we're a bit industrialized to to leave at half two or three anyway, and we will probably. But then you'll also have a few diehards that would like to stay out. Or, you know, I always find for me, it's if I have visitors, it'd be nice to, you know, keep them. I know myself, if I'm visiting a place, I'm inclined to stay out late in case I might miss something or because it's something different. you know. Uh,
2: Yeah. So I guess like one of the things I was thinking about recently in terms of uh, these kind of ideas is that like, you know, like you said, you kind of alluded to there is that the music can change if the hours are opening later maybe it's it's deeper house music or or it can go in different ways because we have that like we have to cram everything into three or four hours really three hours max (laughs) really you know 12 to 3 is kind of like when you run a club you're like everyone doesn't come in till you'd be lucky if people come in at half 11
3: because of our drinking culture I've been guilty of this myself, you know, I don't drink anymore. But when I did drink, I did have that like, oh, my God, like the bar's going to shut in a few in in a few minutes. Let's get like, let's get around in and let's get two drinks. Yeah. And I think a lot of Irish people can be guilty of that. And I'd love to see if we if that if we weren't so restricted with alcohol, would it become more European where we don't have that? that hunger to yeah. to keep drinking or to want to drink that, you know, it's okay. We have a glass of wine at five o'clock in the morning. I'd like to see if that would work for us, which yeah. I think it would.
2: Well, all of, all of our licensing laws are tied to alcohol really as yeah. well. So that's one of the things that gives a night is looking at in terms of like trying to, if a club doesn't have an alcohol license until past three o'clock, then, you know, it can still stay open until four or five if it wants to, if the people are there, you know, um, an option because you know when you tie a good time to alcohol licensing, it's it doesn't benefit everybody, you know, other than the bar. Yeah. So you know how do you? And
3: also because the um, um, it's so expensive for nightclubs as well. Yeah. They kind of want to get their money to pay for their license too. I think they're under pressure, so they are serving us until the very last minute, and that's I think when the carnage happens. Yeah. You know, at the same time and. When people have to leave the club,
2: so where are you playing at the moment regularly enough now?
3: Um, at the liquor rooms, I've had a long slot in the liquor rooms in Ukio, um, uh, Hang Dai. I'm in Opium as well. Uh, Berlin, I'm yeah. in Berlin uh, regularly as well. And how do you so, find?
2: Have you? How do you find? Like, uh, do, has that changed over the years um, in terms of? I mean, demographics or uh, your setup or just generally speaking, since you started?
3: Yeah, because I think like if we go back to the 90s or even the noughties, um club or dance music or anything like that was always kind of part of a kind of um, an underground. It was kind of an underground scene against the mainstream, whereas now I think mainstream people are more open minded to clubs and DJs and, you know, things staying up late. Like I know live music is important too, but just that kind of culture where it was new in the 90s and it was still misunderstood in the uh, noughties more, you know. So Mm. it's like a lot of of young people now, their kids would have gone raving at this stage, you know. So I think that really helps. You know, they've grown up with dance music where, you know, in the 90s or late 80s we kind of all discovered discover dance music together, yeah. you know, or electronica. Mm-hmm. So there's one thing I would like to say, um, but I, I just don't know how to say it, is that I do play in the liquor rooms until four in the morning. But that's a good example. Because yes, you it's know a really good it is, example. It's yeah.
2: downstairs, it's in a basement, so it kind of works really well. Um, Except like it's a really
3: good example of, of um, having that extra hour what it does you know like and it's a long slot I do as well I do from nine until four in the morning obviously sometimes I share that with people but when I start at nine there's normally people eating or getting together for a party and it's kind of you play mellow music and then by 12 between 11 or 12 people start dancing and you kind of bring it up a little bit and then by three they normally let people in at three o'clock and if uh Uh, And then if anyone comes after three, they don't let them in. But whoever is left can stay Um, and people organically leave anyway. They've had some, you'll get a few people that will stay. So that's what I mean is that the peak is kind of between three and four and then it goes back down. And I did a kind of a party in in Limerick, there's a very famous private party in Limerick called Backwards, which is another perfect example. You know, Um, we're hidden away. We're away from the city. We're not causing any trouble um keen who runs it actually does make a point of finishing it at six so there is no trouble because he wants to keep it going but again like it'll be after the clubs when everything is kind of like crazy and mayhem and Mm. then i just when you go down to backwards it's just so chilled and lovely you're listening to house music again and then they kind of go to funk and soul and reggae and wind it down and it's just perfect and people just go yeah when they have to, they go they've had enough and they leave throughout the night and then you get a few people left at six o'clock they're not going i'll play one more song or let's keep it open they're actually ready to go yeah so it's a perfect <laughs> example of how that could really work for us yeah you know
2: I guess that's right. If you didn't tell people that the licensing laws were changing and you did it tomorrow, like people would just naturally start to go home. at Yeah, the normal, at you the, do. You do have like,
3: went. I see that in the liquor rooms. I feel like I do three sets. Because I have the early, the middle crowd and then I have the people that will come towards the end of clubs, you know, just for that extra. So that last
2: hour, how does your music change in terms of?
3: um, I just go deeper and slower and it's absolutely lovely. You know, it really is. You do get, you really do get the late night ravers, you know, the real music people and they really are out for that extra hour of music, you know. So, yeah, it works, it works quite well.
2: Even the Canis' residency in the liquor rooms goes till 4am because it's under a hotel license, highlighting the different opening hours that are already happening in Ireland at the moment. And those who have those late licenses, like places on Harcourt Street in Dublin, this breeds contempt and protective behaviour from venue operators that affect places who are new or trying to establish themselves within this existing legislation. Here's Sunil Sharp with his take on things. And there's licensing and restrictions in place and somebody is trying to do something generally what happens is other publicans or uh, operators in the area aren't too happy about that so there's this kind of like well you can do this but you can't do this and then the idea of somewhere like Camden Street where you know you're right beside Harcourt Street which has its own um, rules in in, in lots of ways and then anyone who tries to do anything uh, Legally, say Hang Dai Chinese uh, restaurant, for example, they've had a lot of uh, trouble with the guards uh, coming in saying that they were uh, open illegally and late, which they haven't been because they're a disco bar. So they operate off the um, they can use their um, late bar license as part of their deal. But, you know, it's like the law is the law, but also often the law is just a, a thing that is isn't even used in that way it's like it's the pressure from other people that's used i think, to I think it's
1: wasting guard a time as well knocking knocking on hang dyes door or whoever it might be like if you completely deregulated the whole thing you know I, I think that would be very interesting it'd be kind of like every business for themselves if you're if you're offering something that people really want to go to they'll go there they, they shouldn't have to be forced to go there because it's the only option and that's what we're trying to put out there a little bit too listen don't get me wrong i understand anyone that's trying to protect their own their own business like it's 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 understandable but i mean a lot of this has been a lot of the changes in nightlife has been engineered by the by the publicans and uh Again, I'm, you know, I I have many friends now who are running pubs, so I I completely understand. And I I think one of the, the, something really bad that's happened in Ireland in, in, in the last couple of decades is how, the local Irish pub has, has basically been been, been rubbed out of existence, you know, but certainly when it comes to, to cities or main urban centers and your only choice is going to a pub or late bar, I, I, I don't think that's good enough, you know, and that's that's where we're at now in, in, in Dublin City anyway. And, and, and in other parts of Ireland as well, you know, the nightlife has uh, is in a kind of depleted state at the moment.
2: In terms of then, obviously, we've lost a few venues here recently, like Hangar and District 8, um, big venues for uh, dance music in particular, um, and with nothing currently replacing it other than the idea that, well, the jam park coming in April, which is going to happen in Swords, which is outside the city. So in terms of, first of all, the landscape of venues in the city is is dwindling. Um, But what do you think about the idea of, like, do you think there is spaces that you could potentially put a venue in, uh, in the city, existing spaces first? And then secondly, is there spaces to build a custom club space in in the city? And then thirdly, what do you think of the idea of bringing those kind of late night venues to a place outside of the city where there's less residential yeah.
1: issues? Like I think of existing spaces, I think like some promoters in town, like like District Eight, for instance, they could probably tell you more of more or have identified more spaces than than I can tell you. But um, certainly, the the council will be sitting on a, an awful lot, you know, quite quite a lot of spaces. Like one one idea, even in the short term, is that they even give over some of these spaces, even if it's just for a year or two, to just say, listen, we have this earmarks for something else, but. You can you can have it for the next year. S- similar to the, I know it's a much bigger building, but the, the Telegraph building up, up up north, you know, as far as I know, Shine were told that they had that for a year and they, maybe that might be rolled out for a little bit longer now. Mm-hmm. Listen, there was an upsurge, I think about, about 2014, 2015. Uh, after District 8 started, you had Hangar as well. And it did seem like there was a little bit of a dip in numbers at one point because like House and Techno were c- exceptionally popular, but it, it always happens in 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 Dublin or anywhere, that 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 particular uh, uh, group of of people that are going to the events just kind of move on a little bit and there's a little bit of a dip. But I think at that time, District 8 probably identified that and started going, with some of their booking anyway, a little bit more, I don't want to say commercial, but a little bit more... um, uh, slightly more mainstream dance than, than they than, than what their roots are are, are in. So, uh, but they were filling the place, and I don't think. And in the last couple of years, I think most events that they were putting in there had to have sell um, sellout potential, or, or they weren't doing us. But like the last night, there was like seventeen hundred people in there, and I think whatever about the little dip after, maybe that might have happened in twenty sixteen or. 2017 or whatever um the i think there's actually been an upsurge for for big room events and it's partly down to district day because like when you look at internationally in holland or france or some of these big 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 events that you typically see on instagram and the the dj with you know thousands and, and thousands of people in front of them some people choose to, to to travel to those countries but if they can have that kind of experience at home similar to to what tripod was red box you know it, it's not as big as some of the spaces that you see in 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 uh in holland or whatever but like tripod was 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 definitely you know our, our temple theater these places where there's always been call for a big big room um, uh experiences like that but we didn't have anything like that for a while so when district 8 did start off it brought something back to the city again and people wanted to go from small spaces back into big spaces again but then i think people forgot about the small spaces and the small spaces can disappear very quickly without anybody noticing and i don't want to say without caring but it, overall a little bit you know and i think that's that's where the problem then lies for Upcoming musicians, upcoming DJs, people that are trying to get something off the ground, people that aren't uh, headliners and can fill District 8 or higher, yeah. you know, and that's where the problem, it, you know, that that's a big problem for our music scene in general. And that's know?
2: something that could be, uh, if you did extend the licensing hours, you'd also give, uh, you'd have more time for programming and lineups and for new artists. Yeah. Uh, you'd also could possibly change the style of music played because... Yeah everybody has there's a such a it's just like three hours really is the peak time or or even less sometimes and then so musically we the music made here sometimes is adapted to those kind of spaces if it's a dance uh, music venue and the producers are often making stuff just for that uh, in with that in mind, the where they don't B-tide have a chance. Sort of yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, so there's no chance to kind of develop and maybe experiment a bit, little bit more. And, uh, and one thing that always uh, seems to happen, I think, in terms of, like, this applies to popular music and any music that's commercial in any way, or dance music or electronic music or indie or whatever it is, it's generally underfunded in Ireland. Yeah. And we seem to somehow, regardless of that, um, do quite well, yeah, and that sometimes can yeah, be our, used. our limitations. Yeah. Are, are, are sometimes, but uh, that's sometimes used like against so. us in terms of like, well, you, we didn't, we didn't give you much funding, and you obviously don't need it because things seems <laughs> to <things, things laughs> be going grand. So. Yeah you know but like it's like the possibilities uh, despite all all the uh, restrictions we are doing well but that's not good enough and that yeah. hasn't been good enough for a long long time no it's recognition of
1: the of, of modern music really i think we've we've um we've leaned on and when i say we the country in terms of even government departments like the like the department for culture heritage and the Gale talks you know they 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 Marcus um, Ireland very much on, on, on tradition every, every country does, but I think we've relied uh, you know hugely on on, on on tradition and you know old old um, old bands and singers um when really we need to we need to fund what's here now and grow what we have here now.
2: Deck Lennon, a.k.a. Crystal Clear, is a Dublin DJ and producer who last year released this huge song you hear behind me, Neutron Dance, and who makes a living touring around Europe and beyond in nightclubs. Deck has a more pessimistic view of Irish nightlife's future. If
4: things went on later, you could not have to bag it out yeah you know i mean that's always the problem with like regional areas you know like and dublin in in the grand scheme of things is unfortunately regarded you know if you want if you had a one of the top british agents in here or you're a European agent sorry um Brexit, but if you had them in here, and they they probably say honestly that they disregard Ireland, and not in a, not in a, you know in a way of its country or the people or anything, but just in terms of booking their art, artists, it's 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 looked at as regional. You know, it's not looked at as a capital of a city, and they're probably right. I mean, there's no reason for them to put it on a pedestal. There's no nightclub. There's no focus point, and it makes it very difficult for. Artists and DJs to come over here and inverted commas take an audience on a journey. Uh, I grew up in Ireland, so I have a perspective of that. And then I left in my early, in my late late teens, early twenties, and I obviously viewed it from an outsider's point of view for the longest time. And I saw that it was getting some traction again. Things were starting to bubble again. Um, About five years ago, it felt like there was a lot of energy in the city towards dance music, and that culture was being you know responded with venues and raves and off kilter warehousey things and little things were happening and i remember thinking like the youth now compared to compared to back then but they're really getting something for their money Mm. like i kind of felt that i felt like places like you know district eight or pygmalion or or twisted pepper and uh, you know even opium rooms and stuff like that like there was great artists playing there week in, week out, and it kind of just offered 16 to 20-year-olds who were, weren't were necessarily clued in on music or dance music and education every week, which was something that I, in my day, you know, I hate to say that, but it just wasn't that frequent. So I think now with the current climate, Dublin's kind of like, um, for me, in terms of the talent in ireland it's kind of like we've got like 60 amazing footballers but no football yeah like we've got amazing djs really open-minded people and promoters and parties and conceptual ideas that guys are wanting to do and wanting to achieve artists across the board and there's just no there's the, the country is giving them nothing to work with yeah um and to me that's like it's depressing and you know the the news and the papers and you know there'll be statistics every year on oh you know the irish youth are leaving they're going to australia they're going to berlin and they're going to america and you're like well can you fucking blame them like what are you giving them what are you offering them absolutely nothing like i wouldn't mind like it was one thing to not offer artists anywhere to actually have salvation and work on their craft like it's a it's, it's one thing like listen Ireland is the open arms nation you know for the want of a better example but like the truth is is that it's not a conspiracy theory the truth is that the rich are the number one concern for any government as long as the rich are happy the rest is fucking irrelevant that's the the facts of life and i could live with the fact that young artists weren't getting spaces like we're in here in a building like we're in now i understand that um It is what it is. That's the harsh reality of the world we live in now. Not everywhere is is, is, as diplomatic as, you know, other nations. But if you're not even giving them a nightlife, you're not even giving them a release, like, what do you expect? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, of course we're leaving, we're out. We can't even be ourselves. We can't even express ourselves. Like, it's hard enough as it is, like, working five, six days a week for some people. Some people are on the doles. Some people are trying to balance two things at once. Hustling to get through the week and then the weekend comes and they're just they've got nothing to yeah. go, to look forward to. It, Ireland is losing it. Like we're losing it. We're losing something that the world would have always looked at. Like, I'm I'm sorry, but I could be wrong here. And I'm ha- I'm glad. I'll hold my hands up if I am, but do we really want to just be known as get off the plane, just go to Temple Bar, put on a leprechaun hat and down a couple of points of Guinness with a fiddle in the background? Like it's yeah. it's farcical like. Yeah. You know, last year, like, just electronic music alone, like, some of the biggest things to come out were Irish. Yeah. None of them lived in Ireland. Yeah. I'm I'm uber patriotic to a fault, like, to a fault. But then, like, you have then Irish publications or or even, like, government bodies or whoever coming through arts councils. Like, oh, I'm just so glad that the Irish people are ho- lifting the flag in the music industry, the art world. Now, fuck you. Do you know what I mean you've done fuck all for anybody who's trying to do anything in this country? Yeah. Like, prove me fucking wrong. Like, yeah. honestly, put me put me wrong. There'll be accounts for the last ten to fifteen years ledged and show me where you've actually opened up your checkbook and said, right, there's a group of amazing young people who are in their final year of NCD. Much like a football scout, this person's a Simone Rocha. That person is a is a, is a a, a maceer. That guy's a, a Manolatov let's hone in on these people because yeah. these guys are going to go on and do stuff. Yeah. It's a fucking joke.
2: Lennon mentions a clip from TV3's The Today Show last year, which you can see on Give Us The Night's Instagram page, where the hosts Dahi O'Shea and Mardenan asked their panellists about the late opening hour's issues. One of the responses on the couch really vexed
5: Lennon. I'm 100% for this. Like, keeping the night You are, serving. because
2: you're a DJ and you want to make more money.
5: No but I also think that people want to stay out longer. Like
4: uh some clubs like in, in Dublin City Centre, so most clubs will finish around three so- not
0: enough here. Mm-hmm.
4: No, some might go till four or five o'clock. All right, some of the later clubs. Um Where are these by the way?
0: <laughs> you know exactly we
2: where they are. Waving your gold cards,
0: wanting up to Harcourt Street. I'd be, I'd be afraid. So, Max would be closed now, so I'd have to be leaving early. <laughs> you know? be but what's the, what's the story though here, Catherine? That people want the nightclubs to stay open later. Is that? Yeah. It?
3: Well, like when you say people, I'm not sure who. Like okay. DJs, DJs are are right. nightclub yeah, and nightclub owners, which obviously is they were She'll
4: sit there and like say something like that, right? Clueless, but then go home and listen to Calvin Harris. Now, Calvin Harris came from Dumfries. uh virtually just outside of Glasgow. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that I would want to be Calvin Harris or necessarily anyone in Ireland would potentially want to be Calvin Harris, but he is a represent, he represents Scotland as a nation, as a guy who's award-winning, number one producing, million dollar producer, something for potentially people to aspire to. Take taste out of the equation here. Do you know what I mean? Ireland don't have that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He comes from a, a city that respects dance music culture, respects venues, and respects the understanding that people need a place to go and learn about these things. And someone like your one on that t- TV show will be as blatant to say, "Ah, sure, you guys just want to make money." I think we should have it at one p one a.m. But, oh, I love Calvin Harris's music. How do you think his music was created? Do you think he just sat at home at his, what, 9 p.m. bedtime when he was 20 and made and made music? Yeah. No, it's because he went to Optimo. It's because he discovered Electric Chair and he went to nights around the UK. These things, like, it all feeds in. It's exactly what you're saying about David Kitt. Like, the government, the arts councils, they don't respect, truly, they truly don't respect the amount of talent that come from this country. And it's actually like, you know, when you sat there, you were like, you know, guys are going off and they're actually going and doing it. Like, it, that is a testament to our heritage, not like just fighting against, through it all to get what you want to do done. Like, it's actually, you know, it's more, it's nearly more amazing, actually, when you really think about it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's desperate. Like
2: Yeah. And those people, like the, uh, the people who say, oh, you know, well, what does it matter if we, you know, if if they are, I don't, I don't think they should be open past one o'clock or two o'clock, or whatever. Like the point is, it's not for those people who think that, mm. do you know, it's for like everyone else who's who's younger than you, who actually wants to go out, who wants to do something, who isn't just content to, you know, there are always people who are going to be content to go into some shit nightclub or some shit bar, but like that's not everybody.
4: And their arguments, like if we took out the scales again, you know, g- give us, the night crew could school me on this. Because I again, I apologize to anyone reading or listening. I'm not sure about this because I could be talking about my station. But if you put out the scales, like the no party or the no side of the fence is like noise in the area, uh, drunken kids in the area, drugs, and all of the things that come along with drugs. That's like their general, like modus operandi. That's their reasoning, right? But not like all of the. Opposing ideas are so much more beneficial than any of that. Like those things will happen anywhere. Mm. Drunken noise. Drunken kids and drugs are not going away, no matter what you do.
2: Yeah, and the and the drugs thing, especially like a drug like coke, is not something that is exclusive to nightclubs. Joking? There's
4: more coke done in yeah. the fucking House of
2: Congress, exactly. But,
4: I, I but mean, like, it, Parliament, do in Parliament, you know what I mean? Like, in, a, in a bar, even yeah, like you Jesus know, like Christ, it's to not a residence bar, and a good on a Friday night, you're gonna you yeah. know walk yeah. out a trail on your feet, like you know <laughs> what I mean? Like this the uh, that stuff, that's ridiculous in itself. But think about it this way, right? Like young kids in Ireland are like, it's kind of, it's recession-esque to some degree. It's very gray for young kids in Ireland. It's a very gray time because mortgages and stuff that the four, like your parents' ideologies of life, of work from the minute you get out of school, get your mortgage, have your kids, Like it's kind of gone. And it's gone for two reasons. One, because, well, everyone's moving on from the Catholic conception of what, a, of what the youth should do. And because it's just not financially... Viable mortgages are virtually impossible to get now. And when you do, you're choked by the neck for the rest of your life. So going to nightclubs on the weekend, it gives them just a a source of relief. Like getting release of that tension, it might seem like some hippie nonsense, but it's absolutely real. Like it's absolutely real. Weekend blowing off steam, like it changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. It makes the rest of the week more bearable and it makes you happy in your lifestyle to live it. Secondly, it gives people that are creative something to aspire to. And which leads me to my final point, all feeds into the fact that we want to be a country that's represented by culture because that's what we were forever and ever. We were, and culture was always strapped to Ireland from Book Kells to Fiddly Idol to Clannad to, to Thin Lizzy to Phil Linnet to anything. The board you know, mm. spectrum goes on, Robert Bala, like all of these things. It's it's slowly like really and truthfully like not non-existent anymore. Like we're kind of recycling the same old things mm. when we actually have so much incredible, so many incredible artists across the board: fashion designers, textile artists, Christ, visual artists, musicians, folk musicians, singers, songwriters, actors, actors and actresses. Like, and it's just there's nothing for them. There's nothing for them or no, nowhere here for them to hone their craft. And by the time they're six years in their 20s where they're really up for to dissolve, they just become depressed. And then it leads back into the same problem we've talked about for years, which is mental health. Mm. Yeah. It's a vicious fucking circle. And it's all could be changed by a government that's like Germany and says, we respect the artists. We respect this community and we want to really embrace them give them a place give them a sector give them a zone give Mm. them an area where they can work out of like give them some incentives you know what i mean like Mm. there's still enough buildings in this city that are in the skeletons of the great celtic tiger fall give somebody an opportunity to do something for the people for this you know seriously
2: Here's Daniel Sharp and his ideas about multi-use spaces and the Irish music scene in general.
1: Well, 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 one of them would be one of the main ones at the moment is is the need for for multi-use spaces and to define the, the difference between a, a, a late bar and a and a music venue, for instance. And I think that's very important. I think something to highlight are to really. Um, to really stress is that although we're coming from the clubbing community and we, we we'd like to see longer opening hours and all the rest, you know, if we if we help to establish some type of specific late night music venue, that will also have a knock on effect to the live music uh, scene as well. So not only DJs, but to 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 bands, musicians, promoters of all of all types, you know, and that, that's very important for us. I think now it's it, this is becoming a little bit wider than just uh, the DJ community. You know, certainly one thing I've noticed recently is on one hand, there's, there's like bands popping up all the time in Ireland. I think it's a very healthy time for Irish music. It's also been a particularly good time for... Electronic music as well. There's a lot more DJs who are who are playing outside of the country, and I think now there there needs to be like it, it's kind of it's unfortunate that at a time when Irish music is really growing, that we're actually having all the all the venues taken away from us. So I think we need to give some flexibility to to existing venues, and we need to get our local councils on board to actually make spaces available as well, uh, where they could essentially be the the landlords. You know, I, I don't see what it, that 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 model exists in. In most other European countries And I think it needs to be stretched out here
2: Marcus O'Leary is a DJ and producer from Dublin Who's been very vocal about the loss of venues Like Hangar and District 8 He recently started a new student night On Monday nights in Tramline Called Hijinx Which has been getting uh, up to a thousand people in And turning away just as many people on the door Here are his thoughts on Dublin's and Ireland's nightlife offerings
5: Uh, Well, my whole motivation to start Hijinx was that, obviously, uh, before Hijinx, I had the residency in Hangar, which was similar, kind of, you know, as was a student-based, but mainly the main thing was music-driven night, and having played that for two years, all of a sudden, when I was going to events in Wigwam or Index or, you know, Tengu or anywhere like that, and I was going to more, maybe more niche DJs. I'd see people who I, I would have seen maybe moving up from the country and having their first taste of a, like a music-focused nightclub and how feeding into all these other nights and kind of one-hanging clothes. Something struck me with that. If there isn't a place where a thousand kids or a thousand, you know, 18 to 21-year-olds can go and experience that end of the club world where it's not just top 40 or not just kind of generic club music where it's actually it's like you know the djs are curated it's selectors you're you're getting good producers in you are like i'm bringing in acts from around the country and trying to give as many irish djs a platform to actually play to people like there there isn't that much hope in a couple of years if you don't have a generation of people who are kind of inducted into Mm. that and you know there's similar nights in uh in Limerick, the guys in Cabal are doing incredible stuff. I went They'd down and like,
2: played there. It was crazy. Yeah,
5: absolutely <laughs> mental. Uh, Touch of techno in Limerick as well. There's uh, Galway, like VSN, uh, which is like um, Champagne and Kedema, and those guys. And like there's really, if you look, there's these grassroots yeah. places in in every single city, and that's, that's what's feeding the festivals. That's what's feeding eventually somewhere like Jam Park, if they're getting, you know, like if someone like Moody Man was popping in. And you need 2,000 people to go see him. That is that slightly more kind of niche thing that you're not going to get unless you've spent some time going, actually, do you know what? I like this. I like this. This is different from the nightclub that I grew up with. This is different from Wes. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But what what I've kind of learned from it is that there is an appetite. Things do have a life cycle, but now what is happening or seemingly happening is the places are closing without any thought or consideration towards a replacement. So maybe suitable spaces are are decreasing. Maybe there's less places to actually go. Um, and also you kind of combine that with the lack of 24-hour t- transport. And like if there was a good, a well-serviced 24-hour, um, you know, even a Lewis link or down the line a Metro link or even a, at, at a stretch of bus link that ran reliably from the city center to still organ to like any kind of suburb where there's more space to build then you could look at the kind of the the London or the the Berlin model where you can have clubs in any corner of the city that people can get to is that
2: what we have to look at now i mean is the city exhausted in terms of uh, its major options for a cer- certainly large scale clubs is that what we're saying
5: i think that um well, i wouldn't necessarily say that I mean, you still have, it's more I think you need um, promoters and venues who are willing to work together towards this, and specifically if you're talking about kind of late licensing and stepping away directly from the conversation about dance music or techno events or underground events or anything like that, then I mean you have the Academy on Mid Lobby Street which holds 1600 people, sells out Fridays and Saturdays every week. Um, you've just down the road you've tramline which holds about a thousand people when you well when you think about why people come to them the narrative is like oh come for the pints come for the crack come for the sessions it's like yeah the sessions now end at half two or two and you've closed down everything else
1: prepare and we'll go and we'll do our best
5: we'll put them under pressure the game is about being effective being aggressive winning the ball getting on with the play we'll put them under pressure
2: here's sunil sharp idea then something i noticed uh, when you did your first meeting last year um, and there was an rt piece afterwards and oh yeah they all like uh, the conservative uh Media in general, there's a lot of often a, a angle taken that is like, we don't actually need this or they get vox bops from people on the street who are like, well, we don't need. Clothes.
1: Yeah, they don't need it. That particular person doesn't yeah. need it. There's a lot of speaking on behalf of other people. Now, speak for yourself. You know what I mean? That, that person, uh, whoever gets... The vox pop is from fine. That's what you believe, and that's that m- might apply to you and maybe even your friends. But it doesn't apply to other people. I think, yeah, unless there's this like um, this huge big movement, and every single person in the country wants later opening hours. Sure, that's not realistic either. No. So, but you know, a, 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 a fair a fair whack of
2: people do want it. You know. So. And the other thing that was brought up, uh, I think it was the RT thing, was about uh, alcohol. Around there was like mm. an al- uh, anti-alcohol lobby, basically, who was saying we don't need this either you know and uh, what do you yeah. say to like people who were saying, well, you know, this is going to cause problems in terms of, you know, increased alcohol sales yeah. and and you know, alcoholism or whatever it is. Like,
1: well, I think most of alcohol sales have moved, like, have, like certainly with off licenses and supermarkets. There's more sales there. Like, you could you could argue that the that drinking in a in, in a music venue it's a more controlled environment. Even down to like measures and uh, it's it's an it's an, it, it, people drink in a more uncontrolled way at home and by, by buying buying alcohol call from a supermarket or off license. Put it this way: when, 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 uh, when, te- when theatre licences were at their were being used um, and were at their height. I think in two thousand and six, um, public order offences actually dropped in Dublin City. You know, um, and that was at a time when, when. Um, when, when venues were going till half three, four, half four, you mm-hmm. know. So uh, from speaking to taxi, taxi um, drivers at the time as well, it made their job a lot easier. That's another thing, transport. And I think it's something to, when we're talking about somewhere like uh, Jam Park as well, if, if if our transport system was a little bit better or a little bit more advanced, it, it would make the idea of going somewhere on the other side of the city. Like we, we haven't built an underground, you know, I think the metro is, is coming. They're talking about, what is it, 2027? or something like that so it's still a long way away but certainly the the only thing preventing us from taking uh, nightlife a little bit further out is transport but I know we met with the Alan Fox who's running uh, my taxi now and they they're very much on board for for you know an extension and uh of, of opening hours and, and and yeah just just op- they they actually they they can't provide enough uh taxis at 3 a.m. it's it's a real problem for them and it was years ago as well it wasn't in, in the mid 2000s as well and it's still a problem
2: you did a series of of the night talks around Ireland so, what did you learn from that yourself in terms of the differences between the the major cities and how they are operating?
1: Yeah, they're all very different to each other. Actually, we, I, I I guess we didn't know, and we like the, the the meeting in Dublin was very different to to any of the ones outside, uh, because we really were from Dublin, so we have a fairly good overview, and we're speaking to people here all the time about us. We were still speaking to people outside of Dublin also, but I mean, this was a time for us to to give a little bit of a synopsis of what it, of what was happening in Dublin, but then to really listen and to also ask questions as well. What's it like at night? What's safety like on the streets at night? Uh, what do people really want in terms of opening hours? What kind of businesses actually open in the evening? You know, like uh, like we, we pretty much had councillors at all all of the meetings, uh, and some of them were were standing up and, and giving their own views on it as well. So all very all very positive. But I think the kind of dialogue that's opening and uh, has opened up in Dublin, it's still going to take another another bit of time for that to happen in some of the other some of the other cities. Also, somewhere like Galway, for instance, is is completely dominated by pubs, and everything's kind of quite. Everything's quite tightly knit and kind of clumped together in Galway. So there, but the good thing is is that when the the when the main operators there, like electric, they're very much behind us. They were they were the 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 manager of, of the of the venue was there and uh kira harrington as well who's who's the booker there now too so they're they're very much on board so i think that's important one of the things i think could happen outside of uh, dublin well obviously if they get a directly elected lord mayor that could help a lot but i think one thing to sort of float out there and to, for them to try in some of these areas is to is to identify one-off events or like for instance the capital of culture galway capital of culture uh, for europe next uh, next year in our opinion that would be a great time to to test out uh, some of what we're proposing in terms of just flexibility to opening hours and allowing some some events go a little bit later there's a a Sinn Féin councillor there I forget her name but she 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 suggested that that would mean you know bringing in some kind of bylaw or whatever but this is the kind of you know we've had people tell us for many years ah that won't work listen it will work it's gonna work you know I, I don't even entertain that kind of that 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 kind of Comment anymore? Will work. We know it works. Sure. In, in the Tivoli last week, we went till quarter past four. You know that was like. It was beautiful, nice. You know what I mean. And and it was. I, I know the night that was in as people were sad and uh, the place was closing down. But there was there were absolutely no problems whatsoever. We we already know it works. We already know parts of Dublin, for instance, go a little bit later. Obviously, there's there's discussions to be had around policing, um, also with local residents as well. You can't expect that a venue that's been going till three a.m. and does admit some some you know loud sound levels as well that they're all of a sudden gonna be granted uh four four a.m or five a.m um closing. But certainly I think, you know, experimentation is is, is key to this. Uh because and I think there should be some sort of uh, the kind of kind of idea we'd be floating to the council and to the governments would be to come up with some kind of like three to five year plan here. Don't just parachute in a 24 hour culture overnight. That's not going to work. But let's just try some stuff out, see what's possible. And and then see where, where we're at, because I think after the next general election as well, I think the I think the profile of, of politician age profile is going to be a lot younger again. And then that's something for the next generation of politicians to get their T's into, too. So I think it's it's baby steps to some degree, but but just that we are making some steps. But I think I think there's some interesting I think if, if one place, not even just with a nightmare or or, or, or permanent uh, opening hours, uh happen I, I think it's more to like try things out in one area like for instance in Galway or maybe uh in Waterford wherever Cork um it's just it's just try it out and see did that work and and, and 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 then try it somewhere else you know I I think it's we all know
2: it's gonna work so much of the uh conversation and um uh, angles around the idea of opening up uh, licensing laws and the Give Us a Night campaign is around the nightlife economy itself and yeah. recognizing the cultural value of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you see that changing in terms of you're talking to the powers that be um, in the last, since you last did the campaign? Uh, it does feel like there's more conversation, certainly, about the idea and, and something that's in the mandate about a nightmare mm-hmm. or somebody to look after. Um, the ideas and uh, represent that part of nighttime culture it is recognizing that the nighttime economy brings uh, value both culturally and financially and uh, in a society way to everybody who participates in it and city itself Mm. so have you seen that uh, change in the last 10 years you think
1: um, it's, it's more so in the last few years, I think, where the conversation has become more of an international conversation. And then it's it, it's kind of, it, it's become a conversation and a topic here too, not least because of what's happened in Amsterdam and London and obviously Berlin has, has always been quite good as well. I think it's estimating its value. That's sort of the problem right now. We haven't had a any kind of recently commissioned report that, that, that says this is what the nighttime economy is worth to, to Ireland and even, or to, to any given City. I think that's one of one of the more immediate problems with this is we, we need, we need something like that. Uh, organizations like Dublin town are doing a lot of work at the moment. Um, there was a, a, a process that started about this time last year uh, run by a, an organization called RHI um, and that's bringing a lot of stakeholders together. Um, it's getting the, you know, this conversation has been ongoing with, 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 a, with a lot of people involved in Dublin city now. Um, and there was a very positive meeting last week um, in which uh, a local senior guards got up and actually told the room. Um, about, he 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 told people in the room, not us, about stagger closing and the model in London. And he also went on to speak about Lisbon as well and a tree tiered system over there. So certainly the the idea of somebody looking after all of this and overseeing nightlife. Yes, it's it's definitely been talked about and people understand the need for it. I suppose it's how that comes about and who. Who maybe pays for it um, where they're operating, are they operating within Dublin City Council, are they operating alongside the the Lord Mayor are they even independent to that and they just liaise with the Dublin City Council, like there's, it could take a number of different uh, routes, so you know how it could work in somewhere like Cork for instance and you know I'm just floating this out there because his name was put forward but someone like Stevie G for instance, like down there he seems to be like an an obvious candidate as somebody that could do that job and the understands the city very well.
2: Stevie G does indeed have a lot of ideas around nightlife and experience in Cork, having been a DJ and producer, venue operator and party goer and party starter over the years, and he dropped in and gave his views on nightlife in Ireland.
0: You seen a man like me, a when he's got no
2: Stevie, in the context of uh, how things are uh, progressing with the Give Us a Night campaign and the. Um Um, uh, city-wide meetings that happened. Uh, I'm interested in your perspective as somebody who um, lives and operates and works in music in Cork. How are things going there and what are the challenges that
6: are kind of happening there in terms of nightlife at the moment? Overall I'm quite confident about Cork but venue wise and the nightlife thing like lots of the people who argue about these things online all the time and academics and stuff they don't seem to say pay the same attention to late-night culture. And lots of people don't really, like, you know, it doesn't even figure, especially when it comes to the political side of things. Uh, no, it obviously has changed, as As Sunil will say with the Give Me the Night. There's a group of councillors and politicians who've grown up with, like, music culture festivals and stuff. They don't look, it's not like the, the Thatcher argument about dance music or the whole 90s spiral tribe thing, whereas dance music was seen as this kind of, like, like real left kind of like um i don't know it was just seen as like football hooligans so the the, the 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 music culture itself is in the mainstream now but i do think with nightlife like i mean obviously we're probably talking to the converted here but i mean we have very archaic licensing laws and it's different in various cities and cork isn't the worst but it's certainly i can certainly play a little bit longer up here and when i go broad, obviously it's i mean that's the way it should be and i look at it more uh, from an embarrassing point of view not only running nights and venues but i'm very embarrassed when someone comes up to me at two o'clock if i have to finish in there like just looking at me kind of going like what do you mean? Like, they just feel that has a bomb gone off or something because you're just getting started. Especially Cork is very much a European city. Half of our population have come from, they're working in all of uh, the apples and dells of the world. And we were proud of the fact that we've got a brilliant young European population. And if we're that out of line with what's happening in mainland Europe, especially with late night culture, it kind of really annoys me. And I'm very strong on the thing that i think it encourages a lot of the the things this whole it encourages a lot of negative stuff for example binge drinking i think it definitely encourages the way we've got licensing laws everyone's always looking at their watch going like geez i got to get a shot before the bar closes or we got to get there before the off license close or we got to get there before the club people are just drinking too fast and uh it and obviously If you want to mention drugs and all that, I'm sure it's the same thing. Whereas if you look at, say, the festival vibe where people have all day, you know, and people just, in general, like, you've got a nanny state kind of vibe, but, like, people, when they're trusted, are a bit more relaxed on things, you know. If you look at a festival where people drink slower, they might just do everything a bit slower and they plan it out a bit more. But this whole few-hour thing in Ireland... Which is everyone will tell you from taxis to guards to like fast food places, everything is just crazy for a couple of hours on a Saturday night, and it's it's just not good. Like it's definitely not having hospitals and all this as well. Like and, and we know what pressure the health service is under, so I just think we got to make things a bit more uh realistic and leave things flow a bit better you know Uh, one
2: of the things also we've been discussing as part of this uh, is that you know the idea of a nightmare is there to bridge the gap between the councillors who maybe don't go out as much and the uh, promoters and also the community though as well because you Mm. know there's the idea that if you are going to allow clubs to go later or spaces to go later not necessarily just clubs sure then you have to engage with the community and that's part of that process. So like obviously when you talk about opening a, a venue till 6 a.m., it'll only happen if it's in a place where it doesn't affect residents, where they're happy, any residents that are nearby are happy with that. Anything, uh, like those are my major factors. So what we're seeing now is uh, the idea that if we could, the city center has lots of spaces, right? But it still has lots of spaces, but there's no... It's very, going to be very hard to build the space in in the city center for to match that. So we're looking at the likes of Body Tonic and Swords, which is a little maybe a little bit far out in terms of going out every night. But um, you know, it's that kind of area uh, of a, it. It's in an industrial state. It's not near residents. It's not going to. So I could see you know a place like that being used as an example or a trial. You know where yeah. you actually have this place. You go. Right, we're going to open that can open till six. I mean, obviously, you're opening a can of worms in terms of like who gets to do this? Why? Why does Dicey's or whatever yeah. and the Harcourt Street places get to do get to open? Then, Coppers, why does Coppers get to open a certain man? I mean, we know all the answers to that in, in loads of ways, really, already.
6: But uh, it's really sure. just
2: like you know, you have to bring everybody together, and that's what the nightmare mm. idea is about.
6: But I like I look at it exactly as. First of all, the venues are going to have to most of it, like, m- not, not a lot of venues are going to want to take the extra costs of security and stuff. And and even I would even cut off the alcohol at a certain stage as well. You could even open the music for another hour. I, my experience in Leeds and Manchester, they used to even stop the bar at, say, 5am and just serve juices or whatever, and you could still... But And it just flows because the, the certain hardcore, loads of people are going to like pull or they're going to have kids or they're going to have work or so people are going to go anyway but the certain hardcore that want to stay for the music you can just leave an extra hour or whatever but i do think the flow is going to definitely help certain venues are going to be under and they will have to obviously whether it be with neighbors with security uh i don't know extra costs whatever they have to look after it and i do think that idea of like for what's happening in swords uh, a good example of probably the only really successful teenage event happening in Cork at the moment happens in the suburbs out by uh where Red FM is actually. By the, there's a dog track out there. They run and parents like it because they're not bringing their kids into the city centre and that whole scary feeling. And the kids get dropped out there. They have their teenage event at whatever, 7 till 10. They get picked up. There's none of the traffic issues. There's none of this feeling of, Oh, someone's going to, some drunk uh, person is going to, like, it's not a place that people will be. There's no passerby. And uh, if if someone went there, they'd look a bit out of place if they were over, whatever, 18 uh, on this night where there's nothing else happening. So I do think that that whole, like, obviously, now I'm all about building up the city centers, but I can see how that Thing and I can see the vision. Obviously, like Body Tonic is the perfect example of what we we're talking about as well. Is that like these guys would have started like just being DJs running a few nights, and they are now very much in the mainstream. Like if you look at all their bars, they're all their sports bars. There's different restaurants. There's all sorts of. So it's not just like a dance music thing. And they've had the vision a long time ago to just uh, develop um, on multi on multi levels. But it's great what they've done um that that they are being taken seriously will say no and it's it's good that um that they're taking over um what's it called the right venue isn't it uh, right venue, yeah. yeah i can see it kind of like that being quite successful but they're they also know that it's not just a matter of sticking on a dj on a saturday night they're yeah. gonna because in a venue now you just have to turn it all the time but it goes back to one of the biggest problems with venues and running them I know to my own cost and everyone will say that whole licensing um, exemption thing is just ridiculous. And that's something that if, if Give Us Tonight even got that sorted, like like for example, a little bar shouldn't have to pay like the same as a huge kind of, not to mention names, but we all know the big, huge, massive bars with like 50 bars. And there's no way that like the roundy or a little bar up in Dublin here who wants to put on an event, not even a bar, like as we said, um, there's no way that they should have to put paid it's some huge exemption it's, that 410 euros. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I remember we tried to run a seven night late night venue in, in the Pav, and I mean, that broke our balls really. Like, that whole exemption thing was the main cost that really killed us.
2: Like, yeah, well, something like that when you already have uh, a lot of um. You have at that everything expense like, every yeah.
6: night before you open
2: the doors. You then yeah. you're already on the back foot in many ways. You can't that take could any pay chances for your
6: entertainment and sound and yeah. everything. Like you that. can't
2: take any chances. You yeah. can't uh, open up things in terms of oh let's try something different mm. and then end up affecting like, the music as well a little bit in oh, terms of what people play and what people uh, make. Yeah, well.
6: it's that's crazy. Kind of, that whole that's ridiculous though that that whole exemption thing.
2: So would you open a venue yourself?
6: I would never go near a venue again <laughs> if I had all the money in the world. And my wife would be very happy because <laughs> she would have a gun to my head. I'm still paying myself for my last. Uh, I'm personally good at, uh, I can run events and all that, but I'm just not really good. And uh, I know what I'm good at. And like we had a great run, but like lots of things conspired against us timing wise, especially when we opened in May 2008, probably wasn't the best time, but we were already tied in then. But we'd have made a lot of mistakes. now we had um we now there's other people involved too. We we did loads of good things too. Um and I'm delighted that there's other people uh, like um just stepping in and doing other things and I'll still I'm still really involved in like loads of things but me no way and I'm the worst person because I'm not really good at business and stuff so I'm the person who shouldn't be running a venue and even if I had that blank check I'd definitely blow it on something (laughs) else
3: once you got that whole city buzzing two phones call your brothers call your cousins three strikes on me got them by the dozen
4: this for anyone who thinks I'm fucking buzzing
2: Here's crystal clear again.
4: I mean, we do we do need a Knightsar in, in Ireland, 100%. I mean, listen, like, we're the most, we're celebrated for her, inverted commas, party style. And, like, you know, there shouldn't, there should be a coach, a manager, which is the Knightsar to come in and say, okay, well, like, he, you know, like, We make this area where we can dictate two nightclubs, maybe one or two nightclubs, much like the way Temple Bar is full of fiddly idols. That's what we do. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I I think, you know, to just bring it back, um, you know, give us the night, I think, is, is definitely something that's extremely positive and I'd get behind it to the bitter end. The cynic in me would feel that if the late license is brought in, Say, for example, venues can apply for 20, like in Manchester, you can apply for a 24 hour license. It costs maybe 100 quid or something on the day. It's like giving, It's a, again, like to use a football analogy, it's honestly like giving a, a, a person with no legs a football. Like, we don't have the venues, we don't have spaces. It's what use is it? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know where like it's a step in the right direction but the bigger problem is the venues the problem before the late license was the venues the venues are were shutting left right and center and it all comes down to like why are they shutting down are they shutting down from poor management landlords hiking rents like you know drink prices kids not buying drinks they're pre drinking going in like all these kind of things it's like the basics, I think, of club culture in Ireland just aren't right. And I understand it's been a moving pitch because of a million things. Social media changed the ball game. The youth changed the ball game. All of the above. And, I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, drugs as well plays a huge part in nightlife. It's just the harsh reality of it. And whatever's in trend will dictate what things get booked. Like, it really is, unfortunately, not true. But I think that when it comes down to it, if... If if the if the core idea of a really good nightclub was put in place, I just feel like oh, I'm going to sound like a prick here, but it just needs to be sophisticated a little bit more. Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? Like, do you think that there's like uh, to me, District Eight seemed like a very profitable place. So, yeah. I would have thought so. So, in that context, why then is no one looking? Unless at when I'm playing and they lose a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> why is no one looking at? Uh, in that case, is like, is it because no one has, has opened or looked at opening a club? Is it because there's so many restrictive licenses on that? Uh, the SEO license, which is the exemption orders, it's are up, it's ten too, at night. Yeah. Before you even open the doors, so your costs are much more, much bigger to open late than most other. Uh, Kind of, uh, It's services. a pain in the arse.
4: Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I looked into it, me and two other lads, we looked into it and it was like, because at one stage there was a point where I was like, you know what, like, I'm going to try and put something back or whatever and like look into, you know, building a Robert Johnson interior, you know, 400 capacity to 600 capacity with all the trimmings, perfect. Not about any nonsense, no fucking gas machines, just pure, good sound. Nice design, and yeah, before you even like consider it, the amount of crap and red tape you have to go through. I mean, like you'd I, ideally you just think get a venue, fit it with kit, get a license, done. No, it's not even close to that. Like there's about sixty other steps, and they're not small ones. So it's just really difficult because when you, you know, again harsh reality, but this is an industry and for a lot of people it is about making money and if it's not about making money it's at least making enough money to just like satisfy everybody who's involved because mm-hmm. there is a lot of work and you got to command all the promoters and you got to command all the the guys that work at the bars and work behind the scenes because it's a lot i mean i have the easiest job in the fucking place i just walk in and i play tunes do you know what i mean and mm-hmm. that's a joke as it is like they're the real grafters in this and i understand that money needs to be made so when you put all of this in front of people who are like, whoa, this is a lot of work and the payoff is really not not that great, it's, it's tough. This is, again, why I'm maybe saying my original answer to your question is that I'm not that hopeful because I understand the hurdles that are involved for an independent two or three or four people to come together. Now, having said that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you would have been living here, District 8 came out of nowhere.
2: Yeah I right. Yeah, yeah. And well, it, I mean, it was t- Tivoli was there, but it wasn't Tivoli was there. Yeah, used as it wasn't in the used way, way, no,
4: yeah. and it came out because there was a, an alliance amongst a group of. I remember at the time it was all these promoters are coming together, they're creating a, a union and they're doing it. Yeah, that might be the only solution to the problem we have. Like another situation where four or five like-minded uh, 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 promoters come together and they pull their, their their money together and they have the background and the know-how to get the... the to, to to be patient through the red tape and maybe find another sitting duck, you know? There's definitely... There has to be maybe something out there, a warehouse somewhere that can be converted, but it's just... As we said in brief when I came in here the other day, you know, you're just... You're up against so many tides. Like, I... I don't smoke weed and I'm generally not a conspiracy theorist but like you are dealing with guys that have fat pockets that will get told that a guy with a club wants to move in and their property development 500 feet away is way too important for this to be jeopardized yeah. and they'll end up paying back paying off a government official and then that's red 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 line straight through it not happening yeah the shit is real like
5: the fact that this is starting to gather momentum and I suppose the, the amount of social change that's been enacted in Ireland in the last couple of years, uh, between repeal the eighth, between, um, same sex marriage. Um, and you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend that adding a couple of extra hours onto your night out is as important as fundamental human rights. It's important, but people can see now that, if they actually make a bit of noise about something then it can actually have an effect and so I I, I could really legitimately see it changing in the next two years
2: Here's Sunil Sharp once more You generally and everyone involved in give us a night campaign that I talked to are very positive about where it's going. Yeah,
1: I think it's listen. Change is inevitable. It's going to change. It's really about how 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 much change is and and when that will be. I I I'm not sure what will happen this side of the general election, but I think the the pressure that we can put on in in in, in the run up to the local elections will put us in a very good place in the run up to the general election.
2: I think it's interesting, even like uh, you know you're talking about you know younger uh, politicians being. Uh, you know coming up um like rtscks himself uh leo rocker whatever you think of him it wasn't was a person who went clubbing, he yeah. went to like mother a lot, yeah. So, you know, he's not he could be talked to in on those terms because it's he has an understanding where care. a lot of the people in power before would even wouldn't even know what you're talking no, about. No,
1: they'd laugh about it, you know. I think I think uh, I think you could have a good uh, serious discussion with, with, with Leo about us. Um, whether we we'll be speaking to somebody quite close to him uh, very soon actually. So, we'll I guess we'll get back back some of the, the the feelings there but but yeah i think i think having a, like you said whatever you think of of leo veracker um he, he's 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 a younger politician and he he understands these things he's experienced
2: them For anyone listening to this, what would be the best way of, of approaching and supporting um, the give us a like, campaign and the mandate? In well, terms the, well of
1: the, the immediate one w- will be to will be to speak to your local election, your count count people who are running to 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 be elected to your local city council in the, or. Uh, in the next it, it, that's May 24th is when the local elections are so if we can put on that kind of pressure on, on a local level um, and there's not, and the other thing about it as well and it came up with the meeting last year there's not that much in terms of votes that get some of these people in you know so so I think it's expressing to councillors like so far of the people that we've met the the, the young younger politicians obviously understand this uh, but some of the older ones do too so it's just about um Applying that pressure and uh, and 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 engaging the candidates in the run-up to us, then the next step really will be the will be the general election as well. So we really need to aim this at, at politicians. And luckily now they all know about this. You know, some of them read, uh, might have read that Irish Times piece um, uh, a, a few a few weeks ago, which wasn't which wasn't entirely helpful. Uh, some of it, but it did it did get the issue out there as well. But uh, but certainly yes, yeah, speak, speaking to politicians, it, it's always the you know the first stop is to is to get the the, the people with power to 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 be talking about it and to know about us, but certainly from from our perspective there 's lots of people that we 're speaking to now on, on at, in Dublin city council and people that would have a say in this so I think just that the more people that are talking about it tell any, anyone about it also this affects more than just music venues you know.
2: That's it from this 9 9 special podcast about the Irish nightlife scene and the issues facing it. If you want to know more about Give Us The Night, you can check out giveusthenight.com and I do encourage you to support it because I think it has a lot of good things going on and the mandate you can check out on their website, giveusthenight.com as well. Thank you to Crystal Clear, Ethan Akana, Stevie G, Marcus O'Leary and Sunil Sharp. For their time and effort and uh, if you liked what you heard there i'll put the tracklist in on 99.com for the songs i think they were pretty much all irish songs do uh, check back for our regular uh, podcast next week and uh, in our feed as well myself and andrea talking about new music mostly and if you like what you heard even more you can subscribe to the patreon where you will get exclusive updates and playlists and uh, dj mixes and much much more including a, an exclusive radio show podcast as well so until next time thank you very much
0: And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home.
3: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.